We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, I am, I'm always fired up to do this show, but I'm extra, 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 extra fired up to do it tonight. Do you know why? Why is that, Carson? Because Oklahoma State is 10-1 and and has the best defense these two 37-year-old pairs of eyes have ever seen in my life. That's why. Uh, Carson, I said 41 to 13. Again, again, I disrespected Jim Knowles' defense. I am predicting week in and week out that Oklahoma State is going to give up scores in the mid to low teens. And week after week, I am disrespecting Jim Knowles' defense. Three against Kansas, three against West Virginia. The starters give up three uh, last week, and then zero on Saturday night. That game could have been a lot worse. If Jaden Bray doesn't fall down on a trick play and Tay Martin doesn't drop a quick slant that hits him right in the hands, that's 30-plus beat down. But 23 to nothing will do the job. Yeah, I said it was giving me 66 to 6 vibes we saw in 2011. It could have been close to that offensively and obviously the defense pitched a shutout so you're, you're not wrong about that we continue to as much love and respect as we give the defense we still somehow underestimate them which is just insane that's how high of a level they're playing but that that's not the only reason I'm fired up Colby would you like to hear more uh hit me yeah you I'm want on. more give me some more okay here we go <laughs> we have a basketball coach that talks Uh-oh. shit to Oklahoma Uh-oh. I absolutely Uh-oh. love it so good. All of it. Just pure gold from Boynton. He's the one. He's the chosen one. He is the, the coach we have always wanted at Oklahoma State. He doesn't say this is any other game. He doesn't show them – he doesn't kowtow to Oklahoma. He says, we don't like them. We hate them. Porter Moser's got a blue check mark. I don't want one. That's another reason I'm fired up. Another reason, I'm going to be in Stillwater for the game. As a fan, I don't, I don't have to go sit in the stuffy press box where it's real quiet. I'm going to be under the neon palm trees on Saturday night. Win, lose, or draw. I'm fired up about that as well. I love it. Nothing like going to Stillwater. Nothing like going to Stillwater for Bedlam. Bedlam at night. Carson, it might be, and this is crazy to think about, it might be the last one for a long time. We don't know what happens after there's this. Nothing, there's no guarantees. It's not. You're right. There are no guarantees. And how about this? Even if, let's say uh, – let, let's say OU and Texas stay in the Big 12 for another year. It's in Norman next year. There's a decent chance that this is the long bedlam, that's, the last bedlam that's played in Stillwater for a long time. So, so much on the line. You beat them, you play Baylor in the Big 12 championship game, and your playoff hopes stay alive. You lose, you play OU in the Big 12 championship game again, and your playoff hopes are dead. It is everything you can dream of for a night game, bedlam, Saturday after Thanksgiving. Everything you could dream of. It is going to be psychotic inside Boopingen Stadium. Would you like another reason I'm fired up? I'm not done. I want all the reasons. I want all of them. Okay, this is the last one. We're talking to our folks about Bedlam. I always <laughs> like to get the old's perspective going into this game. There's a lot of scar tissue with your mom, my dad. I want to get their thoughts coming into the OSU Bedlam game this year with so much riding on it. You mentioned it. Big 12 championship, college football playoff. I'm fired up for this show. Is that enough reason to get fired up? That's more than enough reason, although my mom is going to resent being called one of the olds. Well, I, I, I understand that, and I'm, I'm trending more in their demographic than I am the youngs, so I can't I, – I understand where she's coming from, but she has a lot more – let's just say this. 
She's a more seasoned Oklahoma State veteran. There you go. More she, she offers great perspective. Is that a better way to put it? She's more experienced. She's wiser than we are, having seen more bedlams than we have. Uh, yeah, she was born about six months before Hartley. So okay. she's, she's been around for a bedlam or two. More perspective. That's what, that's what we aim for. And it's just – it's become an, an annual tradition. We weren't able to do it last year, but when Kyle and I were doing the show together, we'd have our dads on, and they always offer – their unique perspective. So I'm, I'm interested to talk to, to your mom as well. I know she's a diehard, diehard, diehard OSU fan. So I, I can't she wait is, to chat, Carson, chat with her. She's the irrational fan that's sitting behind you in the stadium that's yelling at the refs whenever they got a call right because it went against your team. That's her. She's – and every year, 12-0, every year, picks OSU to win Bedlam. It's, it is the pinnacle of fandom, and I love every bit of it. I absolutely love it, too. I can't wait. We're going to talk to them in about 15 minutes. We're going to have your mom on first and my dad. But uh, first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Chris's is going to be packed to the gills. Go by Chris's before the game. It's going to be just an amazing Saturday. The game is at 630. Plenty of time to get down there to Stillwater. Plenty of time to go to Joe's and walk on over to Chris's and check out the latest merch they have available. And uh, they're going to have, perhaps soon, Big 12 Championship t-shirts on the market, we hope. Well, that's a long ways from now, but be, be sure to shop at Chris University Spirit or ChrisUniversitySpirit.com. So, Colby, I, uh, I watched this game at a sports bar, so I didn't have the announcing on. And let's just start with the defense. We have to. Um, towards the end of the game, I just started cackling every time they would pop up the stats from the game like 85 total yards for tech uh what do they have like one first down late in that game just i just started just laughing to myself saying this defense is insane this defense is absurd it's the best defense i've ever seen with my own two eyes ever from and i don't watch george on a daily basis i think georgia probably has the best defense in the last 10 years that's how good i think they are based on what I've seen based on what they've done this year. But for Oklahoma State, they're right there. They are right there. And I'm saying Georgia's the best defense I've seen in 10 years. But you just look at the numbers and the production and everything they've done this year. We have an entire season's body of work minus one game. They're the best defense in a generation. This is going beyond just best defense in Oklahoma State history. This is going to one of the best defenses in the history of college football, especially when you factor in it's 2021. This is not 1985 where we're running I formation off tackle. This is Tech throwing the kitchen sink at them with their, their re, re, uh, freshman quarterback. They're running weird formations. They're throwing it deep. They're, they're challenging the defensive backs the entire game, and they had nothing. They had squadoosh, zilch, nothing. It was – Yet another masterpiece from Jim Knowles in this defense. It's just – I was cackling Colby watching the game just the, the way the numbers stacked up at the end. Yeah, you know, going into the game, Texas Tech had a big offensive day the week before against Iowa State. They, I believe they went north of 500 yards total offense. 529. 529 total offense against Iowa State, which Iowa State – has a pretty good defense of yes. their own. It, it's certainly by They're no good. of Oklahoma State. It's just a good college football defense. That's what it is. It's a good college football defense. Put 523 on them. Well, what happened against Oklahoma State Saturday night was a different level of football that Texas Tech was not prepared for, just like TCU wasn't prepared for it the week before. And the similarities going into the game were glaring. You're getting a quarterback coming in in his second start under a new coach 
it, it was just it was set up perfectly for Oklahoma State to just welcome these poor young quarterbacks to college football. I mean, Donovan Smith, I really hope Texas Tech doesn't bail on Donovan Smith and try to go to somebody else because I think that that kid's got some talent. I mean, he can run around a little bit. He's got a good arm on him. He looked great against He's Iowa huge. State. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he's got all the physical tools. It was only a second start. And I hope that the coaching staff down there recognizes that what he faced Saturday night is a different level of defense that he will not see again. He will not see that again. Uh, now, maybe this Oklahoma State defense can replicate this next year. I don't even know. It's hard to do this twice in two years in a row. But I really hope that they stick with Donovan Smith because it's not his fault that he went nine of 29 for 83 yards on Saturday, the week after his breakout performance against Iowa State. Nine of 29, Carson. And he had to work for all nine of them. It was, even early in the game, things weren't really going Oklahoma State's way early in the game. Got down the red zone a couple times, had to settle for field goals. You know, Casey Dunn draws up the trick play at the perfect time for John Paul Richardson and Jaden Bray, and he falls down. It's just, things aren't going well. I did and not he, like how things were going at all early. <laughs> I, I didn't either, but even at six to nothing, it felt like, okay, six might be enough. That, that's what it felt like. And that is such a weird world to be living in. And obviously, you want to run them out of the building. You want to get the style points, and you want to relax in the fourth quarter. And Oklahoma State was able to do a little bit of that. But even at six to nothing, I was watching the defense, and I was watching Texas Tech, and I'm like, short of just like a busted coverage or something like that where a safety comes down and they just hit somebody deep, how is this team going to score? And they did it. And it was, I mean, it was just an all-around effort. Uh, pass rush was unbelievable. Texas Tech could not rush the ball at all. 26 rushes, 25 yards for Texas Tech. It, it's just, it's absolutely insane what this defense is doing. I, I'm, I'm out of hyperboles, Carson. I, I don't, I no longer know how to describe this defense without being outlandishly hyperbolic. That's the only way to, to really approach it. I mean, the numbers just say it for you. I mean, just listen to this. This is just absurd. It is insane. It is any phrase you want to use. Zero points for Tech. First time since 1997 when a guy named Scott Frost was the quarterback in Nebraska. That's how long it's been. It's the first time since 1987 that Texas Tech was shut out at home. I mean, it's the last time OSU shut someone out since poor little Savannah State in 2012. Tech had 31 total yards in the first half. 31. That's like a play for most teams. They had 31 the entire half. They had 108 total yards. OSU held them to 1.9 yards per play. And really, you mentioned it, they, the, the quarterback from Tech, they, they really they did everything they could trying to throw down. Their, best, their only hope, Colby, they, they really resorted them to just throwing it deep and hoping they got pass interference. And they were able to get three of them against uh, Bernard Converse, leading to three of Tech's ten first downs. That was their best offense, just hoping the refs threw a flag. And believe me, these refs were just dying to throw flags. The entire game was just yellow everywhere. And it's just those numbers don't even seem real. Like that would be hard to do on a video game with the settings skewed in your favor is what this defense is doing. It's just, I don't even know where to start with praise from, from the defense, but a guy that really stood out to me was Brendan Evers. I mean, OSU's defensive line just absolutely bullied 
Texas Tech's offensive line. It was man amongst boys. They knew it. Tech knew it. And there was nothing they could do about it. Evers had so many big plays, he kind of like forgot what his celebration was at certain times. He's like, man, I've been doing this a lot today. I've kind of – what's my go-to little little arm motion that he does when he has a big play? That's, that's how much success he had. I thought, I thought him and the D-line set the tone and the rest of the defense followed. Yeah, Evers was unbelievable. He's been a menace all season. Uh, Tyler Lacey, again, is in there on a lot of it, just being disruptive. It feels like he's been around forever. Uh, I, t- I tweeted out last night. Yeah, what was your tweet? I, I loved I said, it. I said, I swear Tyler Lacey was on that 2011 team. Good for him. Getting to be part of the best team in school history twice. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's insane. It feels like he's been around forever, but he just wreaks havoc on the interior of that defensive line. You've got Colin Oliver with the speed rush. Like, like you said, and we talked last week about the age of a lot of these Oklahoma State defenders, and we got a lot of their ages wrong um, because, yeah, read the tweet wrong and, and we misinterpreted it. But anyway. Oh, I, I knew as I was reading it, I butchered oh, yeah. it. They're, they're yeah. old, okay? They got a lot of old guys on defense, yes. all right? Fine. So, so when we say men versus boys, it's, that's not a hyperbole. These are 21, 2, 3, 4-year-old men out here against 19 and 20-year-olds, and they are bullying them, Carson. It's not even fair. I felt bad for Texas Tech at points in that game. I really did. I felt bad for them because I'm like – They didn't do anything to deserve this. What did that poor left guard for Texas Tech do to deserve Brendan Evers? Nothing. But yet, he's going to get embarrassed for 60 minutes. It's going to be on film. He's going to have to watch it. His parents are having to watch it. It's, It's to the point where when Oklahoma State comes to town, I mean, it's intimidating. And Carson... I feel like we're living in the upside down, some sort of bizarro world. I, I never thought we'd be living in a world where a Mike Gundy coached Oklahoma State team, the defense would get off the bus and just instill fear in the guys on the other side. Like, what are we going to do with these guys? But that's where we're at. It's just they're, they're too much. They're too much to handle. Yeah, and I, I think – I do think Tech and teams that play OSU initially – when they have their little script to start games, I, th- I think they're not intimidated. And I think they think they can have success. And you can almost just see it in their body language towards the second half. They realize they've got nothing. They're just, let's just throw it deep. Let's just try to get an interference. They, they really break the will of the offense they're playing against. And you can just see it in their body language. Like Tech, but who was that quarterback Tech put in near the end of the game, number seven? He literally couldn't throw a pass. Did you see the ball like slip out of his hand on that one? It looked almost like a punt. It it was a duck. It was an absolute duck. I he lost control of it. He lost the actual grip on the ball. Um, not like anything would have happened if he would have gotten it away. Right. But it's, then it's, it, yeah. in his other passes, he was just hopelessly throwing into coverage. Like he he literally had no hope. This this backup quarterback tech put in. He had that that pass was hilarious. It slips out of his hands. But even he threw two or three others that were just into double coverage, almost a couple of picks. It's just, it's just they're seeing ghosts out there, our quarterbacks. And again, I think teams go in there with a plan. I think they think they're going to be successful. And once they face third and seven for the 90th, 95th time in the game, they're just like, you know what, let's just get out of here. And that's what they did in Lubbock. Yeah, absolutely. The, the thing that's a miracle for Texas Tech if I'm not mistaken, they only turned the ball over once. And with the amount of havoc that Oklahoma State was wreaking defensively up front, with how uncomfortable they made Donovan Smith, with the lack of guys that were open, it's a miracle that they only turned the ball over once. I'm telling you, 23 is the absolute smallest margin of victory that was available last night. Oklahoma State could have won that game easily by 30-plus. 
And if a couple of things go Oklahoma State's way, they win that game by 40. It's just – it was an unbelievable Saturday night in Lubbock. Uh, and, again, I, I tweeted this out last night too. Lubbock at night is not a hard place to play. It just isn't. Everybody beats them down there at night. You want to know why? They're not that good. They're just not that good. Their, their stadium's not near as intimidating as people think it is. Yeah, they're throwing beer cans. Guess what? It cost them 15 yards. Congratulations. Everybody wins in Lubbock at night except Texas Tech. So we can go ahead and retire that narrative. I've got thoughts for Lubbock in my, uh, my BBs section. <laughs> okay. I, got, I got plenty of thoughts on, on that, that friggin' cesspool that is Jones Stadium in Lubbock. Uh, Tom Hutton had thoughts, too. Tom oh, yeah. I, Tom nailed it, and we'll, we'll get to that. Let's – Let's talk offense real quick before we bring your mom on. Um, I thought Casey Dunn called a great game, a great game. I thought, you know, you mentioned it just they couldn't get out of their own way. I mean, poor poor uh, Bray loses his shoe. It's a walk-in. He could have literally done a fair catch symbol and caught uh, Richardson's touchdown pass on the trick play. Just a beautifully timed call, run to perfection. His shoe comes off, and it doesn't work. Tay Martin, who had a career-best game, drops a slant. I thought Spencer Sanders missed a couple throws that just – look, he's, he's played really well, and he's a, he's a big reason they're in the position they're in. It's still so frustrating watching him sometimes. Do you remember the corner route where Richardson's wide open and he just sails it? Yeah. And the, the deep ball to Tate Martin where he had to kind of dive for it hopelessly and he, he got a hand on it. If he just floats it out there, take and just run underneath it, you're right. That's all that being said, 23 was the lowest possible point total they could have had because Sanders was just off on a few key throws. But I really thought Colby, even with Jalen Warren banged up, every time he carried the ball, it seemed like he laid down for a few minutes. I thought Casey Dunn had one of his better games, and he, they didn't have the points to show for it. Yeah, I thought Casey Dunn was really good Saturday night. I, I would almost go as far as to say that we got bad Spencer. Because if you look at what he's been doing the last several weeks, I think he went four games in a row where PFF graded him out as having zero turnover-worthy throws. Don't think that was the case last night. There was one throw, I believe, was in the second quarter where, I mean, you're just staring down the barrel of a pick six, hits the guy right between the hands, and he drops it. He missed the corner route to John Paul Richardson, like you mentioned, which, by the way, John Paul Richardson's route running for how young he is is really, really impressive. He's just, I, I mean, right. Click, go this way, boom, go that way, like Dennis Rodman. Boom, click, goes this way. It's, it's hard to keep track of him. Um, but I, I thought that Spencer had another couple of throws. It, it was tough. Well, number one, I thought the broadcast was terrible. I really did th think it was an awful broadcast. They were zoomed so far in on so many of the plays that I didn't get a good idea what was going on. But I think there were a couple that were tipped at the line where he was throwing into double coverage and it could have easily been picked. There was one the first time Oklahoma State got down inside the 10 where he tried to throw. It was like second goal, tried to go play action, quick slant to Jaden Bray. It got tipped at the line, and if it didn't, I, I mean, Jaden Bray was sandwiched between two Red Raiders. There was another one where he tried to throw a quick out and it got tipped at the line of scrimmage. I think a quarter might have been coming underneath to snag that one. So I'm sure that's stuff that they'll go over and film this week. But, you know... If bad Spencer is what we got Saturday night, you can win with that level of bad Spencer. The, the bad Spencer you can't live with is the one that we saw in Lubbock two years ago when they lost that game. Five that's turnovers. Bad, yes, that's bad Spencer that you can't live with. Because even last night, whenever he didn't have his best game, he didn't. He didn't have his best game. I think he'd tell you that too. He still wasn't awful. 
He didn't he make some good throws. Plays. Yeah, he made some good throws along the way. Didn't make disaster plays. And, you, you know, you, you live with most of that stuff. You're not going to have your A game every single Saturday. Uh, hopefully, he'll have his A game this coming Saturday. But I, I thought the running game was solid for Oklahoma State again. They run for almost 200 yards as a team. And hopefully, Jalen Warren has plenty of ice baths this week because full health against Oklahoma would be nice. Because that def- defense up front with Thomas Benito, uh, Perion Winfrey, and Jalen Redmond looked really good on Saturday. So a healthy Jalen Warren would be really, really nice. Hang on. I think I lost my microphone. Hang on one second. <laughs> Perfect. It's a uh, work in progress here. Hopefully it's been on this whole time, but I'm not positive. You've sounded, you sound different now. You sounded oh, good. Hey, are we back? Can yes, you, you sound good again okay. now. No, you're like the the one that was tipped by the defensive lineman. Like people that were at the game said that was going to be a pick six. That's how thin the margins are sometimes between horrendous Spencer and and OK Spencer. But uh, you mentioned it. I, I'm I'm worried about the offensive line health and Jalen Warren. I mean, OU's defensive line played really well against Iowa State. That's the one thing I think I'm concerned with going into Oklahoma. But we're gonna have a long a long week to to break that game down. Um, you ready to talk to to, to uh, your mom, Kim? Uh, yeah, let's do it. I'm texting her right now, telling her to hop on. She, uh, I'm betting she's going to be pretty optimistic about Bedlam. If I had to guess, just knowing her for the last uh, nearly 30 years now, I think she's going to be pretty optimistic. All right, joining us now here on the Pistols Fire Pistols Firing Pod, none other than my mother, Kim Powell, joining us now. Mom. Defense is pretty special. It's Bedlam week. We're six days out. Early thoughts. How are you feeling? Well, Colby, I'm feeling pretty good, I have to say. Normally, going into Bedlam, you just never know what's going to happen. But this year, I just feel like in Jim Knowles, we trust. And in his defense, we trust. And I think we're going to take it. I'm with you, Kim. I've I've gone kind of the full perspective or a full range of emotions after the Tech game, knowing that it's Bedlam week. I don't know how you feel, but I've gone from, well, if if Mike kicks field goals like he did against Tech and he has all season on fourth and two, I, I don't know. I, I just got a bad feeling about it. But I woke up this morning and today, you know, I was at a family function today and my, my uncle was like, how are you feeling about Bedlam? And I, it dawned on me, I, and I just blurted out, I said, we're better than they are and it's time to kick their ass and just push them around. Right. But we, we I don't are know how you feel. That's how I feel. Yeah, we are better than they are. And, and I Spencer and Jalen and Tay need to stay healthy this week. Take it easy in practice. Tay needs to catch some balls, uh, Saturday, uh, no more balls going through the hands. We need him to be on point. Uh, our offense needs to be clicking on all cylinders. Uh, but if our offense can keep up with our defense, I, I just don't see – OU is just bad. They're just bad. Uh, okay. They're, they're 10 and 1, so bad is relative. But, well, but, but they could be 6 and 5. Yeah. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Now, I'm wondering, I, I believe that you are of the opinion that there have been past bedlams in which officiating has played a role. <laughs> is that a concern for you? Officiating is always a concern for me because I just feel like the NCAA hates us. 
I feel like they tell the refs to hate us. And I feel like that comes through in a lot of the calls that the refs make. So play calling is always a concern for me. As you know, my family likes to make fun of me because I get a little irate down there in the end zone and, and a little passionate about my team. I, I think they really love that I'm that passionate, but they do like to make fun of me about that. But yes, I am a little concerned always about the refs. If the refs don't screw us over, then I see no reason that we should not win this game. Well, for the first time, I think ever, you know, they're leaving the Big 12. So I always kind of felt like, like you did in some ways that the Big 12 kind of was like, oh, use our best chance at a national. I've watched OU a lot. I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. And boy, I'll tell you what, it would not hurt. Just curious, your thoughts on the basketball coach in Stillwater. Oh my gosh. Mike Boynton is the man. He is, I absolutely love Mike Boynton. As you know, I have season basketball tickets, season football tickets, season baseball tickets. I go to everything. But Mike Boynton, he is, if we ever ever let him get away somebody has done something very very wrong you you just can't help but love mike boynton he he has bought into stillwater he has bought into osu he is he is the epitome of what the osu family is yeah it was it was really impressive hearing how hartley dykes and him have struck up a relationship and i think it shows just what type of guy he is and and how good of a recruiter he is because he he already had Hartley Dykes on Team Boynton, like within meeting him within within five minutes. So that I'm with you on on Mike Boynton. I I, I got to know Kim. Colby hates punting. Is this <laughs> is this something that you taught him from a very young age going to OSU games? Because he is passionate about this. Did you were you the original never punt captain of the ship? Yes. And so I love that Colby has gotten a little bit of my passion when he gets on his rants and tirades. That's his mama coming out in (laughs) it. So it kind of makes me proud. Uh, But yes, I fourth and one, fourth and two. Come on, man. (laughs) Don't punt. I mean, if you're at your if, if you're backed up in your 10 or 20 yard line, that's one thing. But if you're at the 50 yard line or forward, just go for it. For heaven's sakes, put some faith in your offense. Even Spencer Sanders is out there looking at the coaches going, man, we, we want to get it. We want to get it. Let them at least try a couple of times. I mean, if, I'll tell you what, if Mike Gundy turns on his conservative play calling for this game, I will be losing my mind. If you want to see somebody going crazy and losing their mind in this game, come down to section 215 on Saturday night, because that will be me if we go into this conservative play calling crap and start punting the ball on fourth and one. It sounds like I'm talking to Colby right now. Like <laughs> the, vo- the voice inflection, the, the entire spirit of the of the never punt. I, I, Colby, it feels like I'm talking to you right now. I can totally tell where you get this from. The apple doesn't fall far. That's definitely where I get my, we'll call it passionate side. Definitely where I get my passionate side. Uh, all right. We got to talk to Carson's dad too. We got to save some time for him. Give us a score prediction and we'll call it a night. Okay, well, I, I think Vegas right now has it at about a 27 to 24 game with what their predictions are. So I'm, I'm going to go against Vegas. I am going to put my faith in this defense. Uh, I think they are going to put OU's terrible offense in their place. And I'm going to go 38 to 13 Ooh. Cowboys. Ooh. Ooh, love it. Love yep. it. Yep, that's what I'm going to go. Yeah, Carson, so real quick, I just have to say about Colby getting my passionate side. I, I was just telling Colby last week 
that your mom must be a really nice, sweet, soft-spoken lady because (laughs) you're just calm and cool and collected. (laughs) Well, I think part of that's working in television for so long, covering Uh, Oklahoma. I got to kind of, you know, keep it straight down the middle. Um, But now that I'm not there anymore, maybe I can, maybe I can be more like Colby. Yeah, there you go. There you go. (laughs) And I I take after my dad too. I, I get a lot of the, uh, you know, my dad's still angry about the the rushing the punter against Texas and getting the roughing the punter penalty. I think he's still pissed about that. So, right. so that's where who's I get not? that's exactly. where I get my who's passion not? from. Yeah. <laughs> oh, great, great. Yeah, it's great talking to you guys and uh, looking forward to the game Saturday night. I think we're gonna put them in their place and then go down and win the Big Twelve championship. I can't wait. Looking forward to it. And as always, go Pokes. Love it, Kim. Appreciate your time. Thanks. You bet. You bet. Bye bye. All right. Can you hear me? Oh, my, without, without any further delay, Mike Cunningham. Mike, Dad, what's going on? Well, I've just been sitting here listening to Colby 2.0 <laughs> and, uh, and enjoying the, the conversation. That, the apple doesn't fall from, far from the tree, does it? Uh, that sounds like a, uh, a female Colby. <laughs> I love it. Well, are you as confident as she is, Mike? Uh, no, uh, <laughs> I, I am never confident when we play OU, but I'm probably more confident this year than I've been in quite some time. Yeah. When we were, we were up in Woodward today celebrating my, my aunt and uncle, uh, Tracy and Sharon's 40th anniversary. And dad, Tracy came up to me and said, you know, how are you feeling about Bedlam? And I, you know, I, all week I've kind of said, well, you know, uh, <laughs> It's, it's bedlam, and if Mike, you know, if he settles for field goals and, and, uh, or tries to punt on fourth and one, we'll, we'll, we'll probably lose. But I just kind of looked at Tracy, and I said, you know what? We're better than they are, and it's time to push them around and bully them. And that's kind of that's where I am at right now. I don't know. How do you feel about it? We need to start this bedlam like they started last bedlam. Because if you recall, they punched us in the mouth real quick. And, yep. you know, it's 14 to nothing before we knew what hit us. And our defense, we just need to do the same thing. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's, it, I'd be hard-pressed to see OU jumping out early on Oklahoma State just because Oklahoma State's defense is so elite. Can you remember a time when there was a defense that you really had this much confidence in? Because my confidence is so far through the roof with Jim Knowles in this defense that I, I don't even know – what the opposing offenses do during the week to try to combat it. Uh, I don't remember a defense this good for us, except for maybe in the early 80s, 83, 84, 85. Uh, I think that's when the Leslie O'Neill's, the Mark Moores. We were good defensively back then. Well, we got up to like two in the country that that year, didn't we? Well, there was one. There was one bedlam down there that it was. It, it, we were two and they were three, or, the, or yeah. reversed. It was two yeah. and three in the country. And you know, as usual, the referees screwed us around on a <laughs> a punt. There it is. Well, what happened? Uh, tell, tell me about this. Well, I can't remember exactly what happened, but uh, it was we got beat like was down three or something and uh we punted and or they punted i don't even remember there was a controversial play on a punt and it went against us and then they scored and i think we lost by 10 or something 24 14 or something but 
I don't, I'm, I don't remember the details. I just remember back in that period of time, we were really good defensively. Yeah. And we've not been really good defensively in a long, long time, basically since then. What's that, 30, 25 years ago? Yep, been a long time. And, Dad, I don't know about you, but I just keep going back to that, that damn 2013 game where OSU was the better team. They were favored, much like this year. We had, 2013 was our best defense we've had probably since – those defenses you referenced in the 80s. Like, the 2011 defense was great. They forced a ton of turnovers. but They weren't they're, as good as this year's defense or probably the early 80s, but no, I agree. Yeah. No, totally. And my fear, and I think most OSU fans' fear, is that when we're the better team, Mike likes to just run the football and not screw it up, which, look, it, it worked against Tech. It's worked really all year. Um, just what's what's your kind of your sense coming into this game with like what Oklahoma presents and just – how do you, what do you, what's like a, a key thing you're looking at coming into this game? Well, I'm concerned that on our offense will struggle like we've struggled pretty much the whole season. Uh, I think our defense will hold up well. The only thing that concerns me about our defense is we, we tend to get beat on the deep ball some, and I think they're going to come out and wing it. Uh, hopefully that doesn't happen. You know, even last night, uh, Tech was throwing some deep balls, and they, they didn't complete them, but we kept interfering. So uh, if, if our defense has a weakness, it's the cornerbacks. And, you know, they got some damn good receivers down there. And if they, uh, you know, if they get behind us, you know, it could be a quick seven. All right, who's the MVP Saturday night, Mike? If Oklahoma State wins, who's the MVP? Uh, Spencer Sander. Oh, I like have, it. Have you liked what you've seen from him this year? I've been, uh, he's getting better and better every game. And that's, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not down on Spencer Sanders at all. Uh, you know, earlier in the year, we just, we couldn't block anybody. So it was kind of hard for him to do anything, but, uh, you know, he's not, he's not the greatest passer in the world, but, it, you know, he does good enough and he can run. Uh, I don't think we're just going to run the ball down their throats, so I'm not sure a, a running back's going to be the MVP. But, uh, no, you I'm know, if, you. If, if Spencer has a big game, then I think we can, you know, we can score 28, 31 points. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to both quarterbacks. I mean, Caleb Williams, a freshman, playing against against oh, yeah. our defense, sure. and then of course that kid's—he's so talented. He can, uh, you know, it's just uh, we got to put a clamp on him. We got to put. Some, I don't think he passes very well when he's pressured. We just got to pressure him and well, just don't let him don't let him get loose and you know bust a fifty, sixty, seventy yard run on us. Yeah, and you said you're worried about the deep ball. That's really something OU hasn't done all year well, which I think really plays into to OSU's hands, too. They don't have very many big plays down the field. And Williams no, especially. No, but they got the good receivers. receivers. And, you know, when they came back against Texas, that's all they did was you know, they got some – I mean, they made some miraculous catches. But they oh, were yeah. – they can throw it. They, well, may, they may bring Spencer in just to throw the deep ball or Rattler or whatever. Oh, uh, if they bring Rattler in, the OSU will sack him about 15 times. He's a statue. Yeah, if they yeah. bring Rattler in, something's gone terribly, terribly wrong for OU. Well, well, Dad, you're coming with me 
on Saturday. I think you said the last time you went to a game of Boone Pickens was what, the 2013 Baylor game when it was about five degrees and they just beat That's the tar right. out of Baylor. So I'm, I'm bringing my, my lucky charm to Stillwater with me. Are, are you fired up to go to, to Bedlam this year? It might be the last one in Stillwater. We don't know. Well, I'm fired up about going, but I, I don't think you can call me your lucky charm, Carson, because in, in all of the Bedlams I've been to in since I graduated college in 70 well if i went to college in 71 i've only personally seen one bedlam victory which one was that and that was in 1976 in norman <laughs> <laughs> well when when the guy that colby wouldn't put on his next five on the ring of honor terry miller had a big game <laughs> <laughs> i had to mix it up i had to keep the people guessing it it's funny i've been going i've been to every bedlam game in stillwater since i don't know how old i was when we started going i was probably six or seven so late 90s yeah. sure i've only seen two in person i'm trying to think back 2011 <laughs> and then Rashawn's still open definitely i can't remember if i'm missing one in between there or not I think the other one was down in Norman. Tyreek's punt return was definitely down in Norman. So I think I've only seen two in person. Well, I, we, I had season tickets from – well, I was a student from 71 to 75. But I had season tickets from 75 to probably almost 2000. And, you know, we won once in the 70s. We never ever won in the 80s. And we won a time or two in the nineties, but I wasn't there because I imagine Carson's playing soccer somewhere and I missed the game, but I've only seen us beat them one time. And, well, you know, I've been there when they, you know, onside kicked off her helmet. I've seen all kinds of Chris squiggy, Rockets, right? squiggy or squeaky stuff happen, whatever they squinky, call it. Squinky. Squinky. <laughs> I've seen squinky live and in person. <laughs> well, well, dad, Saturday, it's time to exercise those demons because OSU's better. Well, than we need to. I mean, it's. Uh, I think. I mean, I like I say, I've I've got more confidence going into this one than I have in quite some time. All right. Well, give us a score, Dad, and we'll get you out of here. Well, I, I think Kobe's mother is a little bit optimistic on the offensive side of the ball for us, but I I think twenty-seven to seventeen. Okay, ten points. I like it. I like it. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be. I hope it's not a shootout. But I don't think it's going to be a shootout, and I think our defense can hold them to seventeen, maybe twenty-one points if we can just, uh, you know, if we can not fall down on our trick plays and and <laughs> catch catch touchdown passes and not convert them into field goals. I, I think I think we'll be good. Love it. Thanks, Dad. We'll, uh, we'll try and get you under the neon palms on Saturday if OSU wins. Well, Kobe, just remember uh, two things. Uh, you're doing a great job on the podcast. Uh, you're you're a, a very good addition once we lost Kyle. Thank you. Thank you. And two, Terry Miller was a stud. <laughs> <laughs> Terry Miller will be on my next list. <laughs> I promise you that. Uh, Mike, we've got, we've got to meet Saturday while we're all in Stillwater. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, anytime. I always enjoy the, the Bedlam parent talk. All right, Dad. Love you. Talk all to right, you soon. Take care. Bye. 
See, Colby, the olds were always going to come after you for no Terry Miller. I, I learned that the hard yeah. way the last time Kyle Porter and I talked about Terry Miller. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to mix the lists up a little bit. I didn't want to have the same five, but yes, Terry Miller's got to go up there. Got to go up there. No, you did a great job. So uh, let's, uh, let's get back to the game against Tech. We were kind of talking offense, Colby, uh, before we, we had our folks on, and I just wanted to kind of put a bow on, on things. Again, I, I mentioned how concerned I am about the offensive line. I mean, uh, Josh Sills was not even supposed to play in that game, and there was another injury to so where he had to come on the field and play. And, again, Jalen Warren, Gundy said he got the wind knocked out of him last week, but every time he carried the ball, he would just kind of lay down for a minute and have to go off the field. It, to me, it appears like he kind of has a rib injury. That's, that's the only thing I can really think or, or predict. That's what's going on with him. So – as much as I think OSU's better, I mean, and with the way OU's defensive line played against Iowa State, they played a lot better. I just – if there's any sign for caution for me, it's the offensive line getting a little beat up with combined with Jalen Warren. Yeah, I think that that's definitely fair. You know, uh, Tyrese Williams went down early in that game, and the offensive line looked a little suspect at times on Saturday night. Josh Sills, obviously, is battling injuries, and Danny Godlevsky was having a great season. He doesn't suit up and play Saturday night in Lubbock. So the offensive line is definitely a bit of a concern, especially with the way those guys throw. You looked last week that I mentioned earlier, uh, Winfrey, Thomas, Benito, and Redmond. Those guys looked really good a week ago. So Oklahoma State's going to need to be up front what they were there for that month or so before they started losing some guys to injuries the past couple of weeks. And a healthy Jalen Warren would help. It's you know, I'm kind of torn on this game, Carson. I think Oklahoma State's the better team. I think OU's path to victory in this game is fluky stuff happening, turnovers, missed field goals, stuff like that. I think that's OU's path to victory uh, because I think Oklahoma State's defense is just so elite that they're going to shut OU down for the most part. But, you know, that stuff happens in Bedlam. I just... Man, I, I'm really torn. I'm our, our parents gave their predictions today. I'm glad I get another few days to think about it because... I feel like it goes one of two ways. I don't think OSU wins a close game because if it gets close, then you start to pucker and you start to realize this is bedlam. We've had problems, all these things. So I think it's either OSU by like 17 or OU by a point because fluky things are happening at the end and then, you know, quote unquote, stupid Sooner magic, whatever you want to call it, where a ball hits the turf and it bounces their way. I mean, just look at Saturday against Iowa State. Caleb Williams gets sacked in his own end zone. So that's going to be a safety. Oh, wait, but he fumbles. Fall on it. Nope. Bounces right up into the hands of an offensive lineman, returns it out to the five. They punt. Don't give up any points. How about when Brock Purdy just goes full moron at the end of the first half, gets the ball knocked away, and what happens with less than 10 seconds on the clock? That ball could bounce anyway once it hits the turf. It takes two bounces, hops up waist high, right into the hands of an OU defensive player. Those are the kind of bounces that win and lose games between two teams that are just that, that close. And if these teams are that close, and I don't know if they are, they're both 10 and one, but OSU has been a little more impressive because they're so elite on one side of the ball. It's just, I'm really torn, Carson. I'm glad, I'm glad I've got a few more days to think about it. No, I'm with you. And again, I, I just, you're, you're so right in that the things didn't bounce right for OSU and that it didn't matter because of the defense with the, the trick play not working, Tay Martin dropping the ball like, that your mom is still upset about, which I totally agree with. But I, I think you got to give Mike Gundy and this team so much credit because this was the definition of a trap game. 
it's a night game. It's it's really sets up like the Iowa State game in 2011, where you got OU next week. You got the playoff right in front of you, right in your hands. The game starts in kind of a a, a stop start manner, where you can't you just can't seemingly score a touchdown. This game was ripe to go down to the wire, and the defense just did not allow that to happen. And I think you take a step back and look at this season. Obviously, I think Jim Knowles now is the clear front runner for the Broyles Award for the best assistant coach in the country. And Colby, I think if OSU wins out and potentially goes to the playoff, I don't think there's any question that Mike Gundy should be national coach of the year. Do you? No, I mean, we've been talking so much about Coach uh, Knowles as the Broyles Award. haven't really even thought about Coach Gundy for coach of the year. If Oklahoma State makes the playoff, they're over under in Vegas with seven and a half. Georgia's been unreal. Guess what? Georgia was supposed to be unreal. Georgia's had top three recruiting classes five years in a row. Georgia was supposed to do what Georgia is doing. Oklahoma State was supposed to win seven, maybe eight games. Oklahoma State had to fend off Missouri State in week one. Oklahoma State had to fend off Tulsa in week two. Beat Boise by a point on a a fingertip blocked field goal in week three. Yeah, if Oklahoma State makes the playoff, Mike Gundy's coach of the year. Absolutely. No, I, I, I don't think it's a question. I think his biggest competition was Mel Tucker, who got absolutely dump trucked by Ohio State. They were down 49 to nothing at halftime. I think that's over with for Mel Tucker. Congrats on your $9 million a year to be nowhere close to Ohio State, Michigan State. I think Michigan State's one of those jobs, Colby, they're just tired of their coaches leaving to where they're like, oh, my God, this, guy's, we, this guy can't go to LSU. Let's give him $9 million, and then they're down 49 nothing at halftime. But, no, I – Best tweet all Saturday was Caden McFarland. He said, look, anytime you've got a chance to lock a coach up for 10 years, $95 million, who can stay within seven touchdowns of Ohio State, you've got to do it. Yep. I mean, it's just – it was too predictable with them being 20-point underdogs and just getting absolutely destroyed. But, no, I, I believe it. I mean, again, look, through two games, I thought it was fair to question where Oklahoma State was as a program. Um, somebody came after me this this week on on Twitter, and he was mostly joking. but. Again, I'll own it. After two games, I I seriously questioned where this program was going because, Colby, they really hadn't contended for a Big 12 championship in four years. Not even that 2017 team contended. It was really all the way back to 2016 was the last time they truly contended for a Big 12 championship. And I'm going to pull up the numbers here, too. This is kind of where OSU was as a program coming into this year and why I thought it was – more than fair to question, you know, the direction of this program, if it was waning. And here, I pulled up the numbers right here. Oh, Carson, I said, just real quick, let me hop in here, just real quick. Yes, you were questioning things after two games. Yes, some people are coming at you that that's a freezing cold take. You weren't alone. A large chunk of the fan base was up in arms after weeks one and two. You were not alone. You were just one of the few who said it into a microphone. Right, and I and I, I think it, it's fair to question because here's where they were. Come, through the non-conference, entering, entering the Boise State game this year, OSU was 25-14 and 14 in their last 39 games. That's a 64% winning percentage. That is so far below Gundy's career winning percentage and certainly the percentage when they were winning 10 games so many years that they have, and now they've done it seven out of the last, I believe, 10 or 11. And, I mean, look, they were 25-14 and 14 over the last 39 games. It was fair to question if this program was dipping and slipping. And credit to Mike Gundy because now, all of a sudden, we look, we look at one game left in the season, and this is already one of the best teams in school history. 
regardless of what happens from here. And, and, and gosh, if they, if they beat Oklahoma for just the third time under Mike Gundy, and gosh, if they win the Big 12, and, have, and who knows, if they go to the college football playoff, well, then it's, it's like we're back in 2011, baby. It's back like, it's back like the last decade didn't happen of, of not winning a Big 12 championship because it, it, Gundy really has righted the ship, and I think he would thoroughly deserve a, a National Coach of the Year award. Yeah, he absolutely would. It, it's one of the best coaching jobs that he's done in a long time. I, I was very down on him earlier in the season. You were as well. Uh, and, and that comes with having a few years where things just don't quite click. Even back to the last year that Mason Rudolph and James Washington were here. I mean, that team, yeah, they, they win nine games. They go nine and three in the regular season. But that team was supposed to be really – I mean, that team was supposed to be the playoff team. And they lose three home games that year. Um, TCU, Kansas State, and Oklahoma. And then 2018 with Corndog. What, that team go six and six and then win the bowl maybe? And then 19 and 20, I mean, those teams were just kind of so-so. They were fine, but they weren't living up to the expectations that had been set by Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. It's like what Gary Patterson said, you know, when he got a statue outside at TCU. He's like, that statue makes my job harder. Now I've got to live up to what I've built with the statue. Same thing with Mike Gundy. He says it all the time. We've created this monster, and now we've got to feed it. You do. You have a few years in a row where you win six, seven games, People start to get restless. You barely beat Missouri State. People get a little more restless. But, man, have they figured it out and turned a corner that I really didn't know was there to turn. I mean, after the Iowa State game, we're thinking, okay, there's a lot of tough games left on the schedule. Just let's see where it goes from here. And now we're talking about unless Oklahoma State turns the ball over and loses a game they shouldn't, this is a team that should be in the college football playoff. It's, it's amazing how far they've come. And, you know, baking the Big 12 championship game for the first time is a huge accomplishment. But I'm not really super focused on that this week. I see a lot of that stuff on Twitter. And I, I get it. It's a big accomplishment to make the Big 12 championship game. But that's not the focus right now at all. The, the Big 12 championship game, it means a whole, whole lot less if you lose this Saturday in Stillwater. Yep, totally. And – Again, this is one, two, three. This is their fourth 10-win season since 2015. But it's the first time they've won 10 games in the regular season since 2015. It's the second time they've done it since 2013. So that tells you just how special this season's been. Because, look, you can trump at 10 wins when you, when you win a bowl game, and that's certainly worth celebrating. But to win double-digit games in the regular season is an entirely different matter. And I, I just think it's – it's been a wild, crazy ride to get to this point, considering the way the season started and the way they've really kind of peaked at the end of the year. I mean, it really wasn't until Kansas that they've started just mollywhopping teams. It's been a lot of close games, particularly that uh, the Baylor game. But, man, it's, uh, it's crazy we're sitting here talking about college football playoff and things of that nature. But uh, let's get to Bullets and BBs, Colby. What do you got for me this week? Uh, bullet has to go. I mean, can I give it to the whole defense? Is it a cop-out to just give it to all of them? No, heck no. I mean, they pitched a shutout, Carson, in conference, on the road, to a team that had just put up 40-plus against a good defense the week before, 500-plus yards of total offense. It's how do you not give it to the whole defense? It's every single one of them, all, everybody who takes the field, Jim Knowles, all the work they put in during the week. It's They have bought in to such a level. I mean, even Jim Knowles. Uh, was on Twitter in the, in the postgame presser last night. He's like, look, guys are bought in. I ask them to do something, they do it. it it's just 
everything is working. Every blitz that he dials up is perfectly timed. Guys aren't missing tackles. You, you know, I think once last night they had a free rusher overrun the quarterback and it turned into a pass interference. You know, Jark Bernard Converse, uh, you know, needs to get his head around. He, he didn't do that a couple of times. But then late in the game in the fourth quarter on a very similar play, what's he do? He gets his head around. He learned from his mistakes, gets his head around, deflects the pass. It's an incompletion. It's, it, it's everybody on that side. All the work they put in, it has paid off tenfold that unit is elite 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 uh what's well said i got i got two i got two uh, bu- uh bullets is that okay it's my show i can probably do what i want right or it's our show yeah, sorry as many, bullets as, you want. As, many okay. bullets as you want double barrel jim Knowles after the game <laughs> I don't take no shit from anyone. I smoke my stogie anywhere I want. I don't have to find a hideout place like you. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Knowles just lighting up stogies, lighting up offenses. Again, Texas Tech had 529 yards against Iowa State, not Kansas, not West Virginia, not TCU. It's Iowa State who gave OU all they wanted on Saturday. This guy... Mike Gundy, thankfully, this week was on, on with Joel Clyde on his show and came out and said, we're giving Jim Knowles a big extension. He loves it in Stillwater. We're going to sign him to a long-term contract. That's music to everyone's ears that follows Oklahoma State football because there's no debate anymore. Dana Holgerson was great. Todd Munkin was amazing. He talked trash to Oklahoma, too, which I loved. Mike Yurcich turned into one of the best offensive coordinators in the country, regardless of what people felt about him. They had a top five offense in the country. Jim Knowles is the best hire Mike Gundy's ever made. So that gets a bullet for me. Uh, I like it. You said you had another one? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Sorry, I was so fired up about Jim Knowles and his (laughs) stogies. Uh, John Paul Richardson. By the way, Jim Knowles is who I want to be when I grow up. Just for the record, I want it on the record. (laughs) When I grow up, I want to be Jim Knowles. Uh, Me too. Uh, John Paul Richardson, you know, Brennan Presley was hurt in this game. He was just a glorified fair catcher on the punt returns, wasn't able to play on offense, and step right up John Paul Richardson. I mean, Colby, you mentioned his route running. He threw a great pass as well until Bray fell down. I mean, talk about, a, talk about how deep the receiving core is. This guy comes off the bench with rust on his jersey and looks like Josh Cooper, Charlie Moore reincarnated, Dylan Stoner reincarnated. This guy was awesome. I got to give him a bullet. Yeah, he was great. And, and when they really isolated on his touchdown catch, that route that he win, it, he, he, he won on in the corner of the end zone for the touchdown. It was like out, in, out, boom, quick. And that defender was, I mean, he was toast. He never had a chance. Uh, again, what that poor kid from Texas Tech do to deserve that? Nothing. It was a long, long night for the Red Raiders. Uh, John Paul Richardson, the talent that Oklahoma State has in some of these rooms right now is deep. And – I really feel good about the fact that maybe Oklahoma State can take this season and parlay it into several more really high-level seasons. And whenever conference realignment's happening and things are turning over, I mean, could there be a better time to be peaking as a program? Because, you know, maybe they don't have an all-time great defense every year for the next half decade, but if they can be even close to what they've been this season, even a top 10, 20 defense in the country – they're going to win a bunch of games, and I, I think the future is really bright. Conference is changing. OU and Texas are on the way out. So, you know, OU's been tough to beat. Everybody beats Texas, but that just kind of is what it is. So, uh, yeah, some of these rooms are deep, and John Paul Richardson's a big part of that receiver room. 
Yeah, he he was awesome. And again, he's Charlie Moore tweeted it's his his great grandchild, the number seventeen white wide receiver. You had Charlie Moore originally, you had Dylan Stoner, and now you got John Paul Richardson. The 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 circle of life continues at receiver wearing number seventeen. What do you got for uh, BB? Uh, BB. Well, there are once again no BBs to be given away in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I've got two choices, Carson. I can choose between Texas because LOL at Texas, or I could choose Brock Purdy because where's any mini miny mo Brock Purdy. I'm giving it to Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy short circuited on Saturday. I don't know what was happening to him in that game. <laughs> Every time he was pressured, he rolled out and he did something stupid. He was flawless against Oklahoma state by far the best defense he's seen all season. He was flawless against Iowa state. He has that goofy fumble at the end of the first half. He had multiple other just boneheaded plays. And then at the end of the game, they still have a chance to win. It's fourth and 10 because, look, my whole thing is I don't want Oklahoma State to have to play Bedlam twice in a row. Now, because Baylor won, it worked out. Oklahoma State controls their own destiny as far as who they play in that game. But, I mean, Brock Purdy had every chance to win that game at the end. OU forgets to cover a tight end on fourth and 10. He throws it so far over this dude's head that a 6'5 tight end jumped extended his arm as high as he could, still couldn't get a fingertip on it. OU defensive back tips up in the air, it gets picked. It was just very puzzling watching Brock Purdy just absolutely short circuit. He is so wildly inconsistent. For that team to be 6-5 and five is absolutely crazy because that team is 9-2 and two talented. It, they really are. I mean, they're still a really good team, but that's kind of the Brock Purdy experience. He did that in the Big 12 title game last year. Remember he just – just threw it right to Trey Norwood with the game on the line in the end zone. It's just, he short circuits. That's a good way to put it because <laughs> he just, he loses his mind. And that's why Iowa State still in 124 years of football haven't won nine games. Shout out to Kyle Porter. Win nine games, he's said they for haven't years. haven't won nine games. No. They haven't they won 10. Won they haven't won nine. Oh, well, you got to win nine before you get to 10. That is, yeah. that is shocking. It's that is a shocking level of incompetency. Well, Colby, they've Especially, been Can they've been Kansas for a hundred years until my I know, came I on. know they have, but they've been good, it feels like, for half a decade now. I mean, they've been good. I know. I, that's wild. That's Kyle's I mean, whole point. They, they get all this hype. They get all this hype and they never quite live up to it. So uh my BB, shout out to Texas. If TCU had lost to Kansas, Texas would have finished in the cellar, tied with Kansas and TCU. That would have been just pure perfection. But um we're running out of time on this Zoom, so let me let me pause, and we'll come back, and, and we'll go to my BB. Okay, we're back at it. Uh, Colby, before uh, I get my next BB, I wanted to get your take on Texas possibly finishing in the absolute cellar of the Big 12, just how poetic that would have been. Carson, it is so just beyond hilarious. It's incredible. It's amazing. If you would have told someone at halftime of the OU game that Texas, from that point forward, would not win another football game the rest of the season – some, I mean, somebody would have thought you were crazy. They looked like a good football team for about the first month of the season. And then they fell off a cliff, the likes of which, I mean, I don't even know when the last time something like that happened was. It, uh, it, it's just been an unbelievable year for Texas. And I, I cannot believe that they have fallen as far as they can. But I love every second of it. It's funny, when they lost Abilene Christian, in the uh, tournament last year, I tweeted and I said, keep your heads up, Texas fans. You'll be back to winning seven football games before you know it. 
Turns out I overshot it by a decent amount. So uh, they'll get a nice long vacation after next week. Did you say they haven't won a game since OU? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure that they have not won a game since OU. Am I missing one in there? I'm, I don't believe that they have. I, I believe you. I just hearing it phrased like that is even more astonishing than I already knew they were terrible this year. I didn't really think of it in those terms. Yeah, it's incredible. It's been a, a hell of a downstretch for the Horns the, the last half of this season. That's uh, it's just oh, chef's kiss. If this would have been the last year they're in, they were in the Big 12, it would have been even more poetic. But we gotta, you got to love it. All right, my BB, I'll never forget being at the Baker Mayfield-Patrick Mahomes game where they scored like 1,000 points and had like a billion yards. Texas Tech fans, now I grant you, Baker Mayfield was back for the first time. It was a charged atmosphere. I'll grant you that. This place is a cesspool. They literally, the fans threw trash on the field for the entire game. And I would turn around, I was down on the field for this game. I would turn around and I would watch security just stand there and watch fans throw crap on the field the entire game. No one in the stadium came on the PA and said, stop throwing stuff on the field. No other fans discouraged the other fans in their section from throwing stuff on the field. It's a cesspool. It is, they accept that kind of behavior and they, they actually encourage it. And I'll never forget Brian Keating, my, my, my coworker from channel five. He went to that 2008 Oklahoma state game. Remember Des Bryant, OSU was highly ranked. They got destroyed by tech that night against uh, Graham Harrell and, and Mike Leach. Brian was in the end zone seats. And every time tech would score, he said these, these two dudes would run up. It's just him and his wife in the game. They're wearing OSU stuff. These tech fans would just run, get in their face and, and double bird them, just flip them off right in their face. Be like, yeah, F you. Yeah. And he said there was a police, a police officer standing right there watching the whole thing happen and they didn't do anything about it. This place is trash it is toxic they encourage that type of behavior look no further than their own announcers getting banned from the game and then they honor them at halftime apparently they were honoring some producer or something they wore like a free whatever their radio announcers voices are names on their shirts which i that's kind of funny that's kind of funny yeah that's kind of funny but just the fact that that goes on in that stadium to opposing fans it's unacceptable I've never liked the place. Every, every time, ever since I've been there and witnessed that firsthand, I couldn't believe what I was watching. And I remember I tweeted that, just how classless the place is by throwing trash on the field for an entire game. And I think the, that Don Williams guy from the, the, the Avalanche, the Lubbock Avalanche, the, you know, the, the lead call, like the Barry Trammell of Lubbock basically came after me and got all highbrow on me. It's like, well, dude, hey, this is the place you're supporting right now. They threw trash on the field for an entire game and no one did anything about it. And you guys just accept it. So my BB is for Lubbock, Texas being the worst place in the big 12 to go watch a football game. No question about it. And Saturday night backed it up. They were throwing crap on the field the whole game. They finally got a penalty towards the game towards the end when it didn't matter. My gunny said they threw like a whiskey bottle on the field. And that should have been <laughs> 15 yards and that that whiskey bottle traveled further than their offense did the entire night so bb for lubbock texas and i'm 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 more than happy to see that they've they've not had a winning record in big 12 play since 2009 which was mike leach's last season you ran off mike leach and you've become completely irrelevant in the big 12 and you know what that fan base deserves it yeah they do it's it's crazy the 
the level to which they go, it's, I don't know, and maybe they do ramp it up at night. It doesn't help them win. It's just, I, I don't know. Lubbock just, I've been to Lubbock one time. I was about eight years old. Don't remember much about it. Don't really have any desire to go back. So uh, I think that's a good one. That's a good BB. And the entire stadium, I'm not done. And the entire stadium chanted F U Baker. And I'm talking man, woman, and child. Parents, kids. It wasn't just the, it wasn't just the student section. Which, again, that's a, that's a super unique experience, the whole Baker Mayfield thing that occurred there. But it's just it's shocking when you're seeing, like, 60-year-old grandmas chant that, and that's what happened. So, all right, I've said enough. I've, I've, <laughs> I've, fully, I've fully eviscerated Lubbock and Jones Stadium enough. Yes, rightfully so. Rightfully so. But they got what they deserve. They got shut out on their home field at night. Oh, by the way, there was a BB from Saturday night. The BB was the blackout the Texas Tech hyped up all week. Blackout, 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 blackout. Everybody wear black, wear black. Number one, the fans did a terrible job. It was a very half-hearted blackout. And number two, the team wore white helmets on red shirts on red pants. Some blackout you got going there, Lubbock. <laughs> they, they really, like, marketed it as that, as a blackout? Yes, were, all week. All week. Wow. They were, like, blacking out. Their, their Twitter accounts, social media, they were going full-on blackout for Saturday night's game. Oh, wow. That's just just total ineptness in every facet. Um, speaking of BB, before we go, Colby, I mentioned this a few shows ago, and I got on the subject of Warren, the beloved Cowboy fan who just got the crowd fired up with his OSU chant, younger brother of, uh, of Colin Oliver. Warren has to ride BB onto the field, leading the team onto the field on Saturday. Does he not? Or at least do the – you know, they always bring someone out to do the Orange Power chant. We need, we need big Warren energy on Saturday. I miss Warren. I want him to ride BB onto the field and then lead the, lead the, lead the stadium in the Orange Power chant. Absolutely. Warren is number one cowboy. Uh, we need some sort of Warren on Saturday. Some sort of Warren, Clay. Uh, it would be just absolutely great. OSU Cowboys, let's go. Wait, is it Colin Clay's brother or, or Oliver's brother? What I, I can't say? remember. You said I think Clay. it's Colin Clay. I think it's Colin Clay. Oh, it's is it Colin Clay? Okay. I think it's Colin Clay. Okay. I don't know. Now, now I've, I'm trying to talk myself out of it. Now I can't remember. Well, I'm turning to full olds. I think it's Colin Clay. I'm pretty sure it's Colin Clay. Okay. But I could be wrong. Who knows? I thought it was Colin Oliver. Maybe it is Colin. I thought it was Colin Clay. You might be right. I don't know. I get my Collins mixed up. I'm you going full olds right now on the show. As soon as this post, somebody's going to let us know on Twitter, and then we'll know for sure. Are Colin Clay and Colin Oliver the same person? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. If, if so, they're, they're both very fast. Oh, my goodness. That's funny. I can't remember. I, we have to figure this out before the show ends. I, I swear it's – I could swear it's Warren Clay. I could swear. Well, my computer's not searching up this up fast enough, so maybe you can find it before I do. But what? But while we look that up, okay, it's Warren Clay. You're right. I keep wanting, right, to, I keep wanting to make it Oliver, but it's it's Clay. So, all right, we we've, we've solved the mystery. But we want Warren on BB riding out to midfield because that would just get the place totally electrified. I want to see that. Uh, let's get to the Chris University Spirit uniform review, brought to you by Chris University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. I pulled up the Warren video and just him holding the the pistols in anticipation of his moment is just. Big Warren energy. I need that. I love it. Uh, what did you think of the unis on Saturday? 
Uh, unis were great. We got the all-whites, Curse of Cowboys on the helmets. Uh, the unis were great. A++. plus plus. Uh, I can't wait to see what they do Saturday. Yeah, that's a big question. And, again, I love that they've, they've gone to Curse of Cowboys more than, you know, for the all-whites they could have worn. I, I forgot this helmet. I kind of wish I had predicted it before the game started and before they revealed the uniforms. We haven't seen uh, Patriot Pete in a while. I kind of thought Patriot Pete might have been the look for the all-whites, but I, I love the Curse of Cowboys. I'm, it's so – if you would have told young Carson going to old Gallagher watching Desmond Mason and Doug Gottlieb rocking the, the Curse of Cowboy basketball uniforms that I loved so dearly and everyone does, if you had told young Carson back then that in 2021 it would be on the football helmet, I, I don't know what I would have done. I, I would have been beside myself. I would have been, like, so jacked. So I, I obviously love the look. Yeah, it's so, so good. The Curse of Cowboy is great. I'm wondering – I feel like a black – Orange black might be coming on Saturday for a they, night game. They've worn that for Bedlam before. They haven't had much success other than I guess 2011. They wore it in one, obviously. But again, uh, which, you, had, which uniform have they had a ton of success? I, yes, that's that's. I digress. That's that's obvious. <laughs> um, I think that's the one you got to go with. I think they might mix it up honestly and go orange black orange. That's a look we've seen before, um, but not. And they might they might bust out a new helmet, I would think, for, for Bedlam. They could go orange with, like, a black brand. Have we seen that before? I don't know if we've seen that look before, but that, that'd be, that's kind of where I'm leaning. I don't, what do you think they're going to go with? Um, I'll know for sure what I'm going to predict on Wednesday, but I think it's going to be some sort of black, orange, black would be my oh. guess. They just – the black lids, the black pants for night games, bright orange shirts, that's, that's pretty slick. Yeah, it's – it's one of my favorite home looks. I think that's one of their best. All black, certainly up there. Black, black, orange is certainly up there. Any combination of just black and orange is in my wheelhouse. So I'd love to see it. I, I hope you're, I hope either you're right or I'm right where it's just some combination of, of black and orange, but man, Colby, it's going to be so much fun. I think we're, we're lining up another guest this week to get some, uh, OU talk in here, but, uh, Colby, man, they're 10 and one chance to win their second Big 12 championship, chance to make their first college football playoff. Uh, all the marbles are on the table, and uh, it's, it's been a fun season with you, man. And I, I want to reiterate what my dad said. You've done an unbelievable job since coming on the show. And what a first year to, uh, to join the show, Colby. It's, it's feeling a lot like 2011, man. Yeah, good time to be on the pod. It's been an absolute blast, and uh, I hope we're not close to done. I hope we've got four more games. I mean, that's, that's the goal, right? That's the dream, four more. Got four more, and then it's uh, then it's Mike Boynton season, and uh, hopefully we'll get him on the pod because he's he's pulling no punches, and uh, I, I'm loving his his bedlam energy coming into this week, and hope everyone has a good bedlam week, and uh, we're gonna have another show this week, and uh, hey, if you see me and Colby on Saturday, uh, we'll, we'll be more than happy to to chat you up, and uh, I'd love to see anybody and everybody under the neon palms after an OSU win. We'll have to see though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the words of the great Mike Boynton. We don't like them. Go Pokes.